When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. You have an encounter with your future self. And this yeah. seems to break some, some time travel uh, rules, I'm, I'm thinking to myself. Are there right? time travel rules? Oh, I'm okay, go. All right, stop. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And for this episode, we're featuring Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh my gosh. If, if, if you, if you, if you were to make a list of actors that like did really cool mind bending movie roles, there he is at the top of that list. Joe, welcome to Star Talk, dude. I don't know if the listeners can see the smile on my face, but, but hearing that come out of you is very flattering, sir. Thank you. So, I mean, uh, generally people are best known as actors, but you're also a director, producer, writer, and you enter a bunch of other stuff we're going to get to in a few minutes. Great. Uh, but uh, just recently, or in recent years, you were uh, in the trial of the Chicago 7. I remember uh, that. Yeah. Well, my gosh, what a that was an intense film that was. Yeah, and, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were you were a Gotham police detective in Dark Knight. By, yes, I think sir. Many, many people think that was the best Batman movie of them all. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's among mine, but definitely. And Chris Nolan is hard to beat. It's true. Uh, yeah, it is. It totally is. And most recently, you are in the Pinocchio animated feature. Mm -hmm. As tell me who you are. I'm Jiminy Cricket, man. Jiminy Cricket. That's got to be the coolest role if you had to pick one. Nobody wants to be Pinocchio. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the conscience of Pinocchio. I know I couldn't. That was one of those moments when when the director, Robert Zemeckis, who you know, he directed like Back to the Future. Yes, of Forrest course. Gump. Oh my God. I did another movie with him a few years ago called The Walk. 
And uh, when he called me and, and told me about thinking of me to play Jiminy Cricket, I, that was one of those life moments. You're you, like, did you jump at it? You jump it, at it. It must have been, you know, whatever mistakes I've made, I, it's all good <laughs> if I'm here and he's <laughs> offering me this. So thank, thank the Lord. Now, I'm also tickled because I, I didn't even know this would be, ever be something we could declare. But you have portrayed two famous people in movies each of whom we have had as guests hey. on Star Talk. Okay, okay? Wait, so it's probably not uh, Robert Tad Lincoln because no, he's no. dead. <laughs> okay. See, that would be Philippe Petit and Edward <laughs> Snowden, I would we, guess. Totally. We had yeah. Philippe Petit and talked all about his famous walk between the Twin Towers and uh, also Ed Snowden. We mm -hmm. had an interview with him in his, in his uh, moving bot. There's some... He's on the, a computer. The snowbot. The snowbot. Oh, it's on yeah. snowbot. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> he was totally in my office. I get to say he was in my office. I the know. spirit energy was there. So it's a little freaky to have you here who played both of those characters. <laughs> well, uh, one other point is you, especially for our listeners who are strong on the geek spectrum. Sure. <laughs> you, sure. Me too. To, to have been in two movies that just kind of leave your brain a little scrambled uh -huh. or a lot scrambled. Inception. Yep. Uh, Christopher Nolan again. Oh, by the way, we've had Christopher Nolan as a guest. As oh, yeah. Well. Nice. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was totally fun. And That's of bad. course, Looper as a time travel uh, assassin. Yeah. And so, so I, I just want to lay out that landscape before we sort of take this one by one. And I just want to thank you for coming on to the program. Oh, thank you. I'm feeling great about myself right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I needed that, Neil. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, let's start out with, with Looper. Um, it seems to me. Uh, by the way, who? Tell me who directed and wrote that. That's Ryan Johnson. Who? Okay. Uh, who are the, for those on the geek spectrum that you're talking about? Made um, the most controversial and, in my opinion, best. Yeah, I'm going to say it. The best Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Um, Ryan Johnson, who, who also made Knives Out and Glass Onion, that just came out. I was in his first movie called Brick, and then his third movie called Looper. I got you. So you're in his. You're on his list, is what that sounds like. I'm actually yeah. technically in all of his movies. <laughs> okay. I, I, in the ones that, that I'm not in, with a bigger part, I have like tiny cameos. <laughs> so um, in Looper, it doesn't seem to so much concern itself with. And it, it, how do I characterize it? So let me just give the, the plot line. You are an assassin who kills bad guys who was sent into the past. Mm -hmm. thereby disappearing from the future, and then you kill them and dispose of their bodies. So they're basically wiped off the face of the earth yep. as anyone in the future would know or concern. Yep. And then you confront yourself mm -hmm. as someone you're supposed to kill, uh, uh, brilliantly played by Bruce Willis. And then there's an issue there about whether you kill your future self or not. And yep. that's all I'll say about it in case anyone hasn't seen it. But my point is, you have an encounter with your future self. And this yeah. seems to break some, some time travel uh, rules, I'm, I'm thinking to myself. Are there right? time travel rules? Though? Oh, I'm okay, asking you go. Go. <laughs> right, stop. You got me. <laughs> Joe, I thought I could pass that through you, but I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm actually, I'm curious to ask you, because I'm a fan of time travel movies. So, you know, like I mentioned, Back to the Future or, you know, whatever. When I talk about Quantum Leap, I was in an episode of Quantum Leap when Ooh. I was ten years old. The old, oh my Scott gosh! Um, but and wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. And weren't you? Forgive me, if I, weren't you in in Third Rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Yes, that's right. 
Speaking of a cosmic perspective, right? That's third rock yeah. from the sun. With, That's with, right. Oh, just just remember that, right? It's not in my notes here, so I, <laughs> I I just remembered that. So you've been at this for a while. Oh, I've been doing this a long time. I'm feeling yeah. good about this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so so I uh, I don't know if there's a rule. We'll have to ask some of our. But time no, but travel. I mean, would would that kind of thing be possible? I mean, is there any any indication in any serious science to say that a human could travel from one place on the time continuum and end up in a different place intact with their same human body and brain and yeah i think there's not that itself is not the problem the the problem comes about with as they say the grandfather paradox Uh right where you go back and you prevent your grandfather from meeting your grandmother or in a terminator version of that you kill your grandfather so that you're never born to be sent back in time yeah to meet your grandfather okay mm-hmm. or, or, or some so there's a paradoxical loop problem yes that uh that Stephen Hawking thinks there was not there is no solution to it at all that we will discover a new time travel conjecture that will prevent backwards time travel in yeah. that way and there are a couple of scenarios and there's another one wait when you say a conjecture you mean that there'll be some kind of evidence or kind of mathematically backed uh statement that says this is actually impossible it'll never happen stephen hawking believed that we would one day derive either mathematically or experimentally that conjecture Uh just so as to prevent the grandfather paradox from unfolding right and so but what was what's what intrigues me is in looper you met your future self 30 years hence yes and and had conversations with that person. Yes. And that's just, I don't, I don't know if that's allowed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, and I don't know what to say. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's definitely not allowed. And <laughs> look at that. We did it anyway. Okay. We, we got <laughs> No, but I mean, there's, there, there was actually, there was a scene. There's a great scene. One of my favorite scenes in the movie where the, my character and Bruce Willis's character, who, like you're saying, are supposed to be the same man, just younger and older version of the same man, they sit down at a diner together and talk. And there was a version of the script where the older man explains some of the mechanics of oh. the time travel. Oh. Probably in a, you know... In, in terms that Stephen Hawking would deem serious. Okay. But at least in terms that felt necessary to the story in that draft of the script. Mm. But later, Ryan, in what I think is a, a wise move, decided to cut all of that out. And there's just a line now where Bruce Willis kind of gets prickly and angry and says, well, we're not going to talk about time travel. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, you leave it more to us to try to think about it. I mean, it's interesting. You know, this gets into sort of the the theory of what is science fiction and what's the purpose of science fiction, and is Looper even a science fiction story? Certainly, it gets categorized as sci-fi, and I think in in Hollywood entertainment, anything that involves a kind of quote unquote future gets categorized as sci-fi. I mean. Star Wars gets categorized as sci-fi. There's no science to any of the kind of magical, <laughs> fantastical things correct. that happen in Star Wars. It just gets you know, categorized when, as when sci-fi. When I say that, when I say that, I get crucified. When I say there's no science in Star Wars, so I'm oh, glad no, someone, a full-up actor, gets to declare that as well. 
So yeah, but it's a yeah, it's it's a it's an aesthetic of it should be called like you know futuristic fantasy. Or yeah, something yeah, like some other genre. Yeah. I mean, some people call it science fantasy. Even like mm-hmm. they call they call you know the Lord of the Rings or the Sword of Shannara or you know these kinds of fantasy, these D and D Magic Gathering books that I used to read when I was a teenager. They call them science fantasy, but there's certainly no science to Gandalf. It's like, it's, it's just sort of words. The entertainment, this is the world of entertainment. And this is why I'm like so thrilled to talk to you because like I live in this world of entertainment where words don't mean a damn thing. They're just like words. That, you know, yeah, say, strung together. Yeah. Strung together in lines, right? right. right. Like, okay. And so, I mean, look, I think Looper is a brilliant story and it has a lot of very true things to say about about age, about what it means uh, to get older, about what it means to reckon with your past, uh, the moral decisions that you've made and whether you think you've been a good person or a bad person, whether you think you've done the right thing or done the wrong thing and what can be done to try to rectify that. Um, I think there's a lot of very true things to say about that. Time travel is a, a fun and um, really cinematic device to tell that story but I don't think it has anything to do with how time physically works. Well, the, I think the, the out that the movie gives itself is the whole concept of the loop is there's a point where they send back you uh-huh. for you to kill your future self. And at that point, you have 30 years until you're going to die. And then you're right. released from this assassin's crowd. And right. and that closes it off, right? It, so that's Close a tiny, the loop. It's a tidy knot placed. It's very t- tidy. That's the thing. It's like if you if you leave aside the science part of the science fiction, it's an impeccable work of fiction. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're tied off from the timeline, and then then and you get to live thirty years with a bunch of money for having killed the people you did. So right. of course, as, that's not as, exactly as, how it turns out. No, no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, I won't tell you what does happen. Yeah. It's a great ending, actually. Yeah. So, so we're all, uh, I want to say my people are proud of you for participating in films like that and just okay. sort of at least uh, uh, grokking the concepts of it. But and that understanding takes... that it's that it's nonsense. Well, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the science, <laughs> that there's absolutely none right. there. <laughs> so the idea that they cut out the pedantic explanation for how the time works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually applaud that. I would have enjoyed it if I saw, seen it, but without it, I don't miss it. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, uh, I was watching the Blues Brothers director's cut. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene that was did not make the original release. Uh-huh. It's where they park their car. <laughs> okay, this uh-huh. is the car that just is the car does weird magical things uh-huh. until the very end when it completely collapses outside of the the tax assessor's office. Right. So, that this is this is like <laughs> only for Blues Brothers fans you're going to care about what I'm about to say. I know so, the car you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's a car and they park it near a nuclear power plant. <laughs> That's just where they park it, all right? And then they go into their apartment. And so they, they, they thought that that would allow you to give it some cause, some mechanism for having the powers that it did. Uh-huh. But, but in the end, when they took it out, all he had to say was, we're on a mission from God. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't need any more. You don't need physics. Yeah. You're on a mission from God. So, no, I just thought that feels that more honest. Actually. It feels more honest. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, just let it be, let the story be what it is. And if you try to over explain it, uh, you can end up derailing the the magic of what is trying to be conveyed. So, I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I embrace the fact that they removed that scene for, for what that's worth. I appreciate it. As, right. as an authoritative scientist, uh, that's a good seal of approval for Looper to have. We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, more of my conversation with Joseph Gordon-Levitt on Star Talk. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology 
and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk, code startalk. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We now return to my one-on-one conversation with actor, producer, director, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So now on to on to Inception. Uh, oh my gosh, we uh, I was I was with it until you went into the head of the dream of the person in the head. Yeah, Boy, did you go too deep? <laughs> how many how many deep did you go at one point? Oh man, it's been a while since oh, I've it, reviewed this, but uh, yeah, it was like two say, or three deep. Yeah, I think it, there are three layers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I and each layer they just made something up. Each layer. Time passes at one tenth the speed of the previous layer. Yeah. So if you're two layers in, it's one one hundredth. Yeah. Okay. That was a fun invented thing that will become part of canon now. Yeah. You, you do it. Why not let that be the case? Sure. Uh, so and there's something to it, right? Like, I mean, I've definitely found this is far from scientific, but when uh, I'm having a dream, I could be asleep on the couch, and in real life, only a few minutes goes by. But in my dream, it seemed like I just had a whole adventure. Oh, right, 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 right. So because your brain just goes whatever pace it wants to go, right? My hunch is that it's very plastic. And obviously, this is anecdotal. So I'd be curious to hear what an expert has to say. And I, I, I'd imagine that the expert will say, well, we don't know exactly yet. Because I know that, <laughs> you know, there's still a lot to learn about the human brain. But, um, but my... My experience, whether with dreams, I also had an experience, not to get too tangential, but I, I once did a uh, a psychedelic drug called DMT. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, my experience was in objective life, I know, something like five minutes. Um, but my subjective experience was completely outside of time and space and felt like I was experiencing something like infinite time, if you know, wow. or eons or wow. like I and and so my hunch is that the brain's subjective experience of time can be pretty uh wonky, can be pretty plastic. So so uh, I guess a, an interesting question was does anyone ever go to sleep in their dreams and then have a dream? Has that has that ever because that's exactly kind of what your right. story is of inception. Right. Yeah, but I, I, I don't feel ever like remember I have go, had a dream like that. I, I don't ever remember going to sleep in my dreams. I don't remember doing that. Wait, ever. I'm trying to remember because I have I've I when I was in the middle of doing inception, I was obviously focused a lot more on this. But I I, I remember two different times in my life where I've had a lucid dream. And yeah. my understanding of the definition of a lucid dream is you don't know you, the difference. You, you, you know you're dreaming while you're dreaming. Oh, that's, oh, okay. And that almost never happens to me. 
Right, but okay. I, there's two different times where I believe it has happened. One uh-huh. of the times was um, while I was shooting Inception. They say that it's more prone to happen if you have it on your mind a lot. If you're spending a lot of your waking time thinking about dreams, it makes sense that it'll be, you'll be more likely, uh, it'll be more likely to occur to you while you're dreaming. Like, oh, hey, maybe I'm dreaming. Mm-hmm. And I do, I remember something, my memory is, is patchy of the dream, but it had to do with waking up and a bed, like the most vivid uh, visual memory I have of the dream was like the bed that I was just sleeping in. And so I had some kind of notion that I was dreaming and it had to do with sleeping. And I, so there was that. And then the other lucid dream I had, I didn't go to sleep in it, but I, um, it also was very inception related. Again, when it's on your mind, you're more prone to, think of it, it was when Inception was just coming out. So everyone was talking about it. I was talking about it a lot, et cetera. And I was, it was during a nap. I was working on something else. I was napping uh, in between shots. And I had a dream that it literally started very similarly to a, a scene of that, that is in Inception. I was like running down a hallway and, and I realized, oh, wait, I'm dreaming. I can control this. And, and, and I had that realization. And the first thing I thought was like, okay, if I'm dreaming, I can do anything. Let's have incredible sex right now. And that, that just didn't work. And I started to wake up and I was like, okay, no, wait, no, wait, no, don't, don't wake up. Don't wake, don't wake up. up. Don't wake up. Okay. I give up the sex. It's fine. And then I remember, I was like, maybe I don't, I can't control it, but I still just want to see what happens in this dream. And I got to the end of the hallway and then I was in like a bit, it was, it turned really mundane. I was in some kind of big mattress store and like shopping for mattresses. Oh, oh what a waste. Like what I know, a I know. Waste but of there, a- there was one weird thing about it. it was like, there was some kind of weird, we, we could like float and like do the kind of like flips and somersaults you do when you're in a pool. Mm-hmm. We were just doing that in the air at the mattress store. Oh, that's cool. That was, but and I was like, yeah, see, we're dreaming. Here I am dreaming. This is happening. Wow, crazy. Okay, so I think the lesson here is, Joe, you're not supposed to get that much into the character. <laughs> <laughs> What's my motivation? That dream I just had. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mattresses. <laughs> so um, you have to explain something to me because I just didn't understand it and I didn't see the movie twice, but I probably should have. Okay, I'll try. What was, the, what was the point of the little dreidel top thing? What was that, the meaning of this? Yeah, it's a, I like that you called it a dreidel. You're <laughs> talking to a nice Jewish boy here. Okay. Yeah, the top, the spinning top. Well, so they call it a totem in the movie and that everyone kind of has their own and it's a, a device that you have that you try to use to tell whether or not you're dreaming. And how does, why would the top know this? Uh, it's, I don't think it's so much that the top knows. It's that if, if the top just spins and spins and spins and spins and never falls, that's, that's sort of you doing Uh-oh. that. You must be dreaming. You know, they're, they're like, there are other, there are other, um, more normal or, uh, I guess traditional ways that people try to determine that they're dreaming. Like one is try to pick up a book or read something. If, if you're in a dream and you're wondering, am I dreaming? If you can manage to pick up a book and look at the pages, uh, it'll, it'll indicate whether you're dreaming or not because it's very difficult for a dreaming brain to actually produce 
the text that would be in a book. So the, the the book will be just kind of gibberish, and that's okay. a sign that you're dreaming. Another one is like just, just to look at a a clock or a watch. It usually it's 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 mumbo jumbo if you're dreaming. Um, it's interesting. So you're trying to create tangible realities that reality does trivially, and your brain would have to work hard at it. Yeah, yeah, and for and and so in Inception, everybody has a certain personal device that they use to try to trust. Oh, okay. If you're losing track of, wait, am I dreaming or is this reality? You have your totem that you've kind of trained yourself to know. I spin this top, and if it falls, I know I'm in reality, and if it doesn't fall, I know I'm dreaming. Okay, and so that's why there's the spinning top. So they were the testing end. the laws of physics. That okay. Yeah, that's but basically way, but it, dream, dream physics would be different from real physics. That's, that's what it right. that comes down to. That's right. Yes, because in dream physics, your mind is the one that's making it happen, not the actual laws of right, physics. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So one one other movie, just I want to bring to the front here. You yeah. are the voice of Jiminy Cricket. Oh my <laughs> yes, god! Yes, sir. That's got to be the dream role of them all. So <laughs> I now I, I got it. a level with you. I read the original Pinocchio. The original, by, the original by Collodi, from like a hundred years yes, ago or something. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. And in Italian, right? It, well, <laughs> I read an English translation. <laughs> okay, Sorry. all right. Okay. Um, I was going to be impressed, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know how many people know that Jiminy Cricket like dies in the second chapter of the book. Yeah, the cricket. Yeah, in in the original, he's not, and he's not Jiminy Cricket. I don't think he's just no, a cricket. So, it's cricket, and and he is, uh, he is Pinocchio's conscience because Pinocchio is this bad boy, and he mm-hmm. doesn't do anything right, doesn't listen to any adult advice, and Jiminy Cricket is trying to guide him along. And what I read there was in the in the story. Pinocchio gets so angry with him, he throws his shoe, the cricket's on the wall, throws his shoe at it and smears the cricket on the wall. End Mm. of Jiminy Cricket. And the whole rest of the story continues. So Disney is so lying to us with that original movie. Now, forgive me, I've yet to see your current project with with Pinocchio. So how close to the original story is it? There are no boots thrown. No, it's I mean, it's, <laughs> it's an adaptation of the Disney version of, oh, uh, of Pinocchio, not the oh. original. You know, I mean, but it's true. Like it, this is something I like to think about a lot: is what what's really original? You know, because Cinderella that's also not originated with Disney or right, Aladdin right. or mm-hmm. you know, some Beauty and the Beast. These all go back, and uh, and Shakespeare didn't write the first version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. And, okay. and Judy Garland wasn't in the original version of The Wizard of Oz. It's, okay. <laughs> there were there were earlier versions, you know. And so I don't know. I to me, originality is almost a myth. Like mm. everything that any artist creates is drawing mm. so heavily on so many influences that, uh, and and to me, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make it any less valuable and to me what i look for more is is the artist uh saying something honest are they doing it in a heartfelt way are they saying something uh you know clever or funny or whatever these these things original is just it's really hard to say what exactly is original so if i, if I may echo that in the world yeah. of science there yeah. and technology there are many things. Oh, this is the first this done by this person mm. burning the midnight oil overnight, and mm. it's Eureka. 
And it's, it's like never that. It's like mm-hmm. hardly ever that. And I think we want that to be true. Mm-hmm. And so we force narratives to match it. But uh, yeah, there's always something that came before the something else. And I don't think we give enough credit for that. Yeah, that's, that's really I agree true. with you entirely. Well, it makes a better story if there's a singular hero at the center of the story that you can valorize, right? Okay. In fact, any given great invention or any given movie that's, you know, we we talk about, like we were talking about Christopher Nolan in Inception. Obviously, he was amazing. But he'll be the first to say he had a whole great, enormous team of people that all helped to make that movie. And those collaborators get... You know, the, and by the way, when, when we interviewed him, he spent ten minutes talking about two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey, yeah, uh, and right? how influential yeah. that was on him when yep. he was a kid. Exactly. So, so yeah, that's very. I, I like you say it's honest, and our urge to valorize makes maybe a better story, but it's not the better truth, right? So this is a fascinating reality. I, I really, uh, I admire the scientific community for. Um, at least in principle, and I'm sure this doesn't always happen in practice, being less about the the ego of look at me, look at me, and more about, hey, we're trying to drive at the truth. It might take lots of us. You know, someone's going to conduct a study and their findings are going to, you know, not necessarily be the bullseye. But the fact that they covered that ground then helps the next person find the bullseye maybe a generation later or whatever. That I, I just think that's really admirable, that kind of team playership. And not enough people even know to think that way. So I'm glad to it counts you among those who who appreciate that moving frontier of science. Mm-hmm. We got to take our second and final break, but when we return, more of my conversation with Joseph Gordon Levitt. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. 
Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. We're back. Star Talk. Continuing my conversation with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So, dude, you've done other things. What? Tell me about what is Hit Record Media? What is that? So, Hit Record is a, an online community that I started with my brother many, many years ago. It started as just uh, because I, well, I've been acting ever since I was six years old. Mm. When I was 19, I quit acting to go to college. And uh, when I wanted to get back into it, I couldn't get a part. No one would cast me in any roles. And that was painful. I, I would have, ca- I, if I had any power, I would have cast you just knowing you were in Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> hey, that, well, that would have been sufficient. Well, that, that, that's part of it. Is I, so, I mean, I loved being on Third Rock from the Sun, but I also like what I wanted to do was, you know, a movie that would play at Sundance. I wanted to oh. do something different than what I'd been doing, you know? Ooh, okay. And the thing is, Hollywood isn't great. I mean, look, the human race isn't great at thinking outside the box and thinking people can do something different than what they've done before. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was very difficult to convince anybody to cast me in a movie that uh, would play at Sundance. Ryan Johnson, who we've talked about, was one of the first ones to do it. And he, his movie, Brick, went to Sundance. But, um, but the pain and kind of humiliation of wanting so badly to make my art, to express myself, to do my thing, and not getting to do it sent me into this uh, sort of introspective journey. And I came out thinking, okay, I can't wait around for someone else to cast me. I've got to take responsibility for my own creativity. And that's when I came up with this little turn of phrase, which at the time was just my own kind of self-motivational mantra to hit record. Like, I'm going to be the one to push the button. And, you know, like pushing that record button on a, mm-hmm. on a camcorder or on a, you know, on any kind of recording device. And it was, of course, a bit of wordplay, too, with hit record and hit record. Because oh, yeah. I, I also, you know, felt like, you know, the media was and continues to change. And uh, a hit record is sort of something from the old media, back when media was an object that people would buy. And I saw then, and some of this has come to pass, and some of it hasn't. Um, I saw then, like, the media is going to change. Instead of it being objects that people buy, it's going to be more of an activity that people do. And so changing hit record to hit record, like, you be the one. You be mm-hmm. the one to push a button. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, that's how it started. This is brilliant. I, I can't tell you, and I'm not even in your world, except for some very brief cameos. Um, I don't want to brag, but 
I have a cameo in Sharknado 6, okay? <laughs> I, th I think the Academy overlooked my performance that flex. year. That was you, quite a flex. You Neil. know, people in the... Can you tell that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think about this all the time, Joe, that you can, have, you can be a talented actor, but you're passively waiting around for some opportunity that could be the opportunity of a lifetime or it could go to somebody else. And That's so right. You're not in control of the access the public has to your talent. And so yeah. that explained to me why so many actors are also becoming producers and directors yeah. and, and I add more power to them. It shouldn't just be a one guild um, universe. Yeah, that's usually when, whenever anybody asks me, hey, I want to be an actor. I, I love it. I want to do it. What, what's your advice? Sort of my first piece of advice is don't just act. Don't wait around for someone to cast you and, and say like, oh, I'm, I'm only an actor. Like, Learn how to write, learn how to shoot, learn how to edit, make friends, make things, make stuff yourself. Don't, don't just wait yeah, around. There it like, is. That's, yeah. that's it. That's entirely it. And that, that's what Hit Record was. So I, I just started making a bunch of my, uh, my own little things, videos and songs and stories and stuff. And I put them on a website that my brother helped me set up called Hit Record. And, uh, and your and brother there, is? Your brother my brother Dan. Dan, yeah. okay. Yeah, uh -huh. who who sadly is is uh, died twelve years ago. Oh my um, gosh! Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, so so hit record continues for me to be a way that I I get to feel connected with him too. Okay, very good. And, and there's good. still a lot of his um, dare I say spirit in mm -hmm. the hit record community because mm -hmm. what what happened was this community. By the started. way, you could also say there's some of his DNA in the. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely there's some of there's his a, code. There's like the spiritual <laughs> side and the scientific yeah. side, right? Yeah. So you can say his spirit energy or his DNA. Yeah. yeah. Both of yeah, them mean sure. exactly the same thing. Yeah. To the listener. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think spirit and DNA mean exactly the same thing? In the way you were using it, I think it does. But does what is there really his DNA in in hit record? Well, no, like I said, it's me. Figuratively. I, I, I share some of his DNA because oh, yeah. brothers. <laughs> Literally, then, yes, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're totally correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you have this interest in um, education as well. Yeah. Uh, we, we have met in this way because yeah. you got involved with Masterclass. That's and exactly I, right. I did a Masterclass. Which I know. That, that's, that's some high-profile teaching I was doing there because yeah. they, with the budget they put at the production values and and the, the talent that they acquire for it and, and how they package it. It's a real professional outfit. And then I learned that you're engaged with them. T tell me how that happened. What, what, what's your role? Yeah, so the, the mission of Hit Record was, and I'll, I'll kind of connect the dots here, was always, you know, it, it started as a way for me to find my own creativity. It evolved into this community where lots of people were helping each other find their creativity. And that's what we were always sort of trying to stimulate. And we would do these various collaborative projects and be like, hey, we're going to make a show or we're going to make a book or we're going to make a record and we can all do it together. And we made all kinds of things that way. Um, and, uh, and then a couple of years ago, we realized, hey, if, if our goal is to try to help people find their creative selves, maybe the most direct way to accomplish the goal is to just teach. Let's teach the creative skills that people need. And so we started working on that and using our platform to teach. And we launched uh, like a learning thing called Class Projects last year. And meanwhile, I was friends with David Roger, who's the CEO of Masterclass. And he saw what we were doing and he was like, wow, this is really great what you're doing. Maybe we could join forces. And, wow. uh, and so that's, that's what we've done. And so now a bunch of us, uh, you know, the Hit Record team, we, we work under Masterclass. And, uh, and we're sort of bringing our experience in in community and online interactivity and creativity and content creation uh, to masterclass and doing some fun stuff. 
thereby magnifying the entire enterprise, which is which is a brilliant uh, concept. Well, they, and, I mean, and it goes back to my brother because w- the thing that he always talked about on Hit Record was you don't have to consider yourself the type of person who makes art in order to make art. Like he was a shy guy growing up. He was a software engineer. He never considered himself the type of guy to make art. And he made a conscious decision at some point in his life. He said, I don't want to be like that. I could, I could make art. And he got into photography and he got into fire spinning and he became this like really extroverted, swashbuckling, adventurous guy. Oh, oh, and, okay. mm-hmm. uh, and so on Hit Record, what he would always do before he died, and this is the early days of the community, was he was always looking for people, not like the, the accomplished artists, but the people who weren't yet accomplished artists, the people who wanted to do it but didn't feel like they could, who he identified with because he had that moment of being like, I, this, I you know. This is the life goal of any good teacher. Oh my right. gosh. There you you're, go. you're describing, you know, I, I can't tell you how, I don't want to say I'm annoyed by it, but I'm not enchanted. And I get a phone call from a parent said, oh, could you meet my kid? There's straight A's in school. I would say, I don't need, bring the person who's, about to fail or the person who's struggling mm-hmm. who needs some encouragement. Mm-hmm. That's who I want to see. Mm-hmm. Not the person mm-hmm. who's already floating uh, through the, through everything. So the people who are not yet discovered, uh, that's who I, I value as a, my contribution to what I can put out there. It sounds like exactly what you're doing. But you also write, produce, and star in a movie where you play a school teacher. That's right. Yes, yes. In the show, Mr. Corman. Who is yeah. Mr. Corman? Well, Mr. Corman was a show that I made um, where I was sort of imagining, I was sort of imagining my life if if certain things had gone differently. Uh, just it came from honestly arriving at at kind of a place of adulthood where I I'm a dad now and I've found my life partner and sh- I'm, I love her so much and I'm so grateful for so many things of getting to have my my family and my work and things like that and and thinking man. So much of that could have gone differently. And it wouldn't have even been my fault. Like, just luck could have gone differently. And um, and Mr. Corman was sort of an expansion of that thought experiment of what if I hadn't been lucky to the point of finding my life partner? Or what if mm. I hadn't, you know, what if I was, uh, my my work as an artist hadn't yielded a professional career? It could just easily have not. I mean, I really think making money as an artist, earning a living that way, a lot of it comes down to luck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have I worked hard? Sure. But a lot of people work hard and yeah. they don't end up, you know, earning their living as an artist. It's, it's a, it's a crapshoot. And, and so I, I just came up with, uh, started coming up with this character of like, okay, what would I do then? If, if the luck hadn't gone towards me making a living as an actor and a, an entertainer, what would I have done? One of the things I admire the most in the world is uh, is teaching and teachers. I've had I've had a lot of teachers in my life who've made such an impact on me, and I, I feel like teachers are just super undervalued. I, if I if I could wave a magic wand and try to make the world a better place, one of the things I would do would be like, cool, teachers all make quarter million dollars basement oh. <laughs> yearly, and yeah. And it goes up from there. And wow. you know, what if that was what we rewarded in wow. our society instead of rewarding, you know, investment banking and mm-hmm. you know, speculative blah blah blah? Why couldn't we do mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and uh, so I I wanted to 
do something about that. And I ended up writing a, a show about a teacher. Okay, where can we find that? Because I, 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 I've not heard of it until I dug it up. Uh, oh yeah, so. it's on it's on Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. Well, thanks for thanks for that tip. Yeah, yeah. So, any um, particular school influences you had? If you were an actor as early as age six, yeah, did you were you in a special school for actors, or were you like a regular kid who just stepped out to to you know? To do your thing. I, I was some of both. So, and this is a big credit uh, to my parents because it, it is more convenient and, and it's, it's easier for a working kid to just uh, work and do kind of homeschool. But you can go to a normal school and then work, but it just takes the, the logistical coordination of making sure that your, your teacher at work is in communication with your teacher at school and you get all right. your homework and all your tests and all of that. And so my, my mom, you know, God bless her, would, would did all that for me. And I'm so grateful that she did. That I did get to go to a, a normal school throughout. So, so was your art teacher and was your art teacher and acting teacher better than your science teacher? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, funny. Are you one that got away from us? <laughs> I just wonder. I, I just put it out there. No, yeah, no obligation. It's you know? a good question. I, I remember I remember one good science teacher. I remember her name was Miss um, Antosian. She taught biology in like 10th grade. But even, I mean, I, I felt like her hands are a little tied because you have to learn in this way where you're just looking at a textbook and you're memorizing the bold terms. And the bold it doesn't, faced terms, yeah. yeah it are. doesn't feel like, I, I think it wasn't till later in life, kind of through my own curiosity, that I came to understand what science really is. And uh, by the way, largely through, you know, efforts of you and, and other communicators like you who take it upon themselves to try to, step outside of the scientific community and not just speak insularly, but share the, the process and the knowledge with the wider world. Um, if not for communicators like you, I think I would understand science a lot less. So I'm, I'm grateful to you for that. Well, what I'd like to, what I would infuse in what you just said is whether or not I actually taught you anything. <laughs> my a bigger goal than that for me is reigniting flames of curiosity that we mm-hmm. all had as young children. And somehow it gets sort of worn out of us or beaten out of us through middle school. Yeah. And so for you to say, when you were older, only then did you, then, you know, this curiosity was still with you mm-hmm. and you would then explore the science that when curiosity is a part of who and what you are, you become a, a self-learner. Right, yeah. you can't go to class anymore. Right, you're out. Yeah. You're you're an adult. You're married. You have kids. Whatever. And yeah. So I, I'm delighted to hear that you retained a level of curiosity. Whatever role I played in that, I'm delighted to know that. Well, thank you, there. thank yeah. you. Well, and that that circles back to masterclass. That's that's what masterclass is all about. It's like trying to trying to help people be lifelong learners. Like, your masterclass is awesome. Anybody okay. who listens thank to Star Talk, I would really <laughs> recommend. You know, check out the the Neil deGrasse Tyson masterclass. Sure. This is the man who's VP of their of their artistic. Well, you know, I'm not saying it's an unbiased perspective, but you know. <laughs> so, Joe, I do this with all my guests. Uh, excuse me, all my celebrity guests, and uh-huh. I want to ask you: Is there any question you have harbored about the universe 
that you just never got answered. And now we are, you are face-to-face with an astrophysicist. Here's yes. your chance. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Any, about anything. It could be like God or aliens or the Big Bang or Pluto, whatever, whatever is your fancy. Yeah, okay. I, I want to ask about, I mean, I think astrophysics plays into this in a way. But it's a, it's one of those big questions. I like to I like to get everyone's perspective on this one. Is and it's an it's an old question. The whole free will question: Do we really have any actual agency, or is it already all determined? And I don't know my my understanding when I talk to many folks who are who lean into science is: Hey, it's all a chain reaction. You know equal and opposite reaction, et cetera. It's all physics. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And so all the way back to the Big Bang, it's all predetermined. And any sort of feeling you have that you're controlling your life or making decisions is just an illusion. And of course, that's a sort of confusing or frustrating prospect is that what you believe, knowing what you know about how the universe works? I'm not authorized to comment further. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can tell you this. All the neuroscientists I speak with will tell you that you have no free will in the sense that your brain has already decided what you will do next before you have any conscious awareness of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's your conscious awareness that makes you think you are deciding. But in fact, the neurochemistry of your brain is taking in all the information and making mm -hmm. the next decision for you. Yeah. So I have no reason to doubt what they're saying. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is, if, it, if we feel like we have free will, why even care about whether we don't? Yeah. If the sensation is the same as having free will. Now, Something that might get us out of that dilemma is quantum physics. Right. Because quantum physics is not deterministic. This whole thing where there's a chain of events with cause and effect yeah. that goes back to the Big Bang, yeah. that goes out the window with quantum physics. With the, the double slit. Uh, oh, for example, right. It, yeah. Right. The, the, the construct of reality is altered by interaction with the reality as well as the fact that the world unfolds at that level probabilistically, not mm -hmm. deterministically. Mm -hmm. So there's only a chance you're going to appear over here instead of over there. Mm -hmm. And it's been suggested that our very origin of consciousness, the very concept of a new thought, is this probabilistic triggering of mm -hmm. your neurochemistry mm -hmm. that is a, is a, is a wonderland of, yeah. of thoughts that have no precursors at all. And so that's what I think is true, and I'm sticking with it. I like that. that <laughs> I, I read once uh, Richard Feynman said, um, if you think you understand quantum physics, then you don't understand it or something. Yeah, correct. Like that, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. It's not there to understand. It's just there to be. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, this decade is the centennial anniversary of the discovery of many of the tenets of quantum physics. Oh, really? So I'm going to try to try to get that out. Um, into the public a little more just so they can appreciate because there is no creation storage or retrieval of information in the modern IT world without exploiting the quantum. So the quantum is with us to stay. And it took decades to, to, to commercialize it, to turn it into a 
something that civilization knows about and cares about. But yeah. um, nonetheless, that could be our out. And that could be our escape clause for what we think of as free will. Free yeah. will is what goes on when quantum physics is deciding what next to happen through no cause at all. <laughs> but it's not me deciding still. <laughs> I want it to be me. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, you keep thinking that. They keep yeah, thinking okay. that. I won't, I won't stop you. Well, Joe, it's been a delight having you on. Likewise. And, um, Likewise. Thank and you I for having me. I'm going to show up on, on a on a podcast you're doing with the Masterclass folk. I look yes, forward to that. Yes, yeah. And, and what, a, what a repository of folks you're going to draw from there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and you're going to be the first one. So I'm the first one. Well, all right, I'm all right. I'm really, I'm, really excited. I'm, I'm, thank I'm you. i try to set the bar in the right yeah, place. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> and if you on any other new projects that have some fun science in it, just give us a holler. Okay. I'm delighted to put you on and talk about it. And, and like I said, we have, uh, we, we live in the Geekiverse. And that's mm. a whole, as we've come to learn with, comic-con and other sort of places of organized geekdom yeah. that this is an important force operating within our culture the yeah. fact that you know hundreds of thousands of people care about this sort of thing in the same way yeah it's it's, it's a beautiful thing yeah and uh, great to have you part of that thank you so much i'm glad to be a part of it I'm really glad to meet you all right you've been listening to my exclusive conversation with actor writer producer joseph gordon levitt Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. As always, keep looking up. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 